Good morning, this is the Eager Beaver Show. You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver Media Podcast. The True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Well, good morning and hello, kids, and welcome to season three and episode number. 277 of the Daily Beaver Morning Show here on the Cryomedia Network. Yeah, 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 yeah. She has hands going <laughs> side to side on the screen. <laughs> I'm your host, the Daily well, the Daily Beaver, I'm your host, the Eager Beaver, pronouns he, him, hey, Mr. Beaver, eh? And yes, I am a little bit rough <laughs> today. Oh, uh, Mr. Grizzly and I were talking pre-show. Uh, we each had uh, one drink yesterday, and uh, we woke up feeling like we had, uh, we drank the whole bar <laughs> for some reason. Ah, um, today, recording day is Wednesday, December 20th, 2023, and I think it will be a nice day here at Beaver Lodge. We still have a little dusting of snow, uh, so if it stays, we will probably have a barely white Christmas this year, but uh, we'll take it because uh, it's now starting to feel a little festive. A big thank you goes to our founding sponsors, the Peppermaster, the Misty Mysteries from Corv... Corvid Moon Publishing and CanadianTarot.com. My brain is working faster than my mouth. Please forgive me. <laughs> uh, we have a nibble for you. Yeah, we have a nibble for you today. Uh, but before we do anything else, let's say hello to Mr. Grizzly and ask him how his mental health is doing today, sir. Good morning, Mr. Beaver. Mental health wise, sorry, I just I, my mental health is good. I'm just completely uncoordinated and very very tired and and I, I dropped my tablet a second ago while i was trying to set it up as a teleprompter and it fell on the console and it oh no hit a bunch of buttons oh no it's fine nothing's broken nothing like that it just dropped volume levels and, and muted stuff and hit a record button and <laughs> oh <laughs> that's what i was trying to fix up there just, yeah. oh man 
it's it's uh, yeah it's a, it's a rough start to the morning for me and i can't seem to my mic keeps <laughs> i might need some viagra i think do i have to lower my seat just to get I'm like what the hell is guy paid for this it's supposed to support this microphone <sighs> we had that problem with the during the podcast too yeah it just this is what right. not a metaphor it's not a metaphor <laughs> oh man oh man oh man oh man uh had a pretty good uh, we, yesterday was a pretty good day yeah uh that thing that had been um stressing my beaver sweetie out with regard to his patent mm. has been resolved outstanding we can breathe Cool. And turns out that we thought that there may have been some drama there, and turns out there was no drama all along. So we worried for nothing. That happens, you know. It's it's weird how your mind can go a million places when you're allowed to uh, let the anxiety take over. And and let's face it, anxiety is a, an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but there was some assuming uh, mm -hmm. of the worst, given the, the delays. Uh, but turns out, uh, no, no. So that that's really good. Uh, so he's gonna go ahead. He's gonna be. Uh, he's gonna make this thing happen. He's gonna change the world. Well, somebody has to take him up on it. But uh, Queen's University takes care of doing the marketing, and they, uh, you know, get fifty percent, and then uh, the the other three, uh, him and his uh, two supervisors, uh, share, have a sharing agreement now in place for the rest. And uh, now it's just. Uh, crossing the fingers and hoping that uh, Queen's University goes ahead and Alex uh, hopefully will uh, be finishing writing his 40th draft of the paper because uh, the public, uh, the, the journal keeps on saying, no, fix this and fix that and fix that. And it's like, he's like, dudes, it's been three years. Can you just publish the damn thing? Yeah, um, so hopefully he will be submitting uh, what should be the final one which fingers crossed will be accepted ah, maybe uh so by around the 28th and there is a possibility that he may have run in to a little money uh that might help him go back in the lab for a little bit because he's oh, been nice. trying to get back into the lab but it seems that his former supervisor has a certain amount of money that he needs to at least commit by the end of the year and has to be spent next year and um he doesn't have anything to commit it on so maybe mm. some would go his way and they would love to get back to the lab and touch a lot of you on a few other things or start to like do a half year postdoc or something uh so uh is it's been hard to come by it really has been hard to come by it's just graduating in 2020 from a phd was really weird especially if you were in the site yeah or somewhere in half a lab and nothing was open it was just weird well understandably so because it was a strange time we were all going through and he didn't he, he you know he like millions of individuals around the world were denied the um i don't want to say privilege because it was earned but uh denied the uh, joyous celebration of convocation yeah i mean we had what it was yeah but it was did, later 
but it was all the thing but it was all the things you know when you publish the phd when it comes off the press there's a bell that you ring you know did get that and you know usually there's a celebratory dinner with your supervisor and the other people in the department whatnot that didn't happen then convocation happened late and was like two or three classes graduating at the same time mm -hmm. and you know and uh, and just like i said you know there's there's a standard plan you graduate you know you look around for your postdoc opportunities you know you apply to a couple places to talk to people you find it you go and yes none of that happened and then when it comes time to get one well now you've got three years of classes looking for the same postdocs i mean and there's not three years worth of postdocs all available all at once so there's there's a lot of people that um, like i'm sure he's not the only one that's going through this it was, it oh, was no a really doubt. weird no, time yeah he, and now you're right he's not on again, his own you know what, still he's yeah and then again when you compare it to the things so people that couldn't go to funerals and people that couldn't go to weddings and weddings that had to be canceled and big life events that were missed graduation from phd is a big life event of course but you know mm. it kind of feels weird complaining like i didn't get my graduation so many of the other time i didn't get to ring my bell it's like i didn't get to go to my father's funeral yeah yeah there, right there's, there's bigger so, yeah so, it, but it's, it's seven years of your life, right? It's a big milestone it's a big and, and, and achievements need to be like the end of things need to be marked. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Right. So the, you know, the, the ceremony and ritual, you know, are important for a reason, right? Having a good beginning and having good endings matter. So, um, it's, um, I, I'm, I'm just happy for him that this part he's something he no longer has to worry about anymore and there's also you know when you have to go out and sell this thing mm -hmm. you know you're sitting there it's like well what's my what's my potential return if i'm going to put in all this effort now he knows mm -hmm. and that's motivating right so now you know what you're working for so um yeah i'm uh crossing my fingers that, uh, that this will be the start of uh, um, not being able to have those concerns and his mind will be able to be freed up to think about more fun things like what he wants to research next and you know that type of stuff rather than trying to finish a project that's been just lingering mm -hmm. uh, yeah mm -hmm. all right um kids there uh, have been a couple of interesting developments the Prime Minister gave his year-end interview with uh, Rosemary Barton, uh, which we don't have uh, yet because it will be aired on the 25th. But little clips, little teaser clips <laughs> have <laughs> been released. Mm -hmm. And this one here uh, might be interesting to us uh, because it's a subject we've been talking about for a while. Uh, Mr. Grizzly. We don't want to be in a situation of having a fight with India right now over this. We want to be working on that trade deal. We want to be advancing our Indo-Pacific strategy. But it is foundational for Canada to stand up for people's rights, for people's safety, and for the rule of law. And that's what we're going to do. Since, since that indictment in the United States, which I'm sure you're, you're aware of, has there been any movement from India, any willingness to cooperate 
with the Americans and then with us because that's out publicly now. I think there begin there is the beginning of an understanding that they can't bluster their way through this, uh, and there is a uh, an openness uh, to collaborating in a way that perhaps they they were less open before. What does uh, that mean? But it it means what it is. There's there's uh, there's an understanding that maybe uh, maybe just you know churning out attacks against Canada isn't going to make this problem go away. So something has changed since that indictment was made public? Uh, I wouldn't say it's changed, but there okay. might be a tonal shift, perhaps. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I like about this is um, he's not trying to oversell it. No, no. Right? You know, wow, we got it. We got some movement. This is great. Uh, we know we're going to move forward and look at me. I'm so great. You know, it's like, I'm not saying that there's been a change, but there's been a total shift. And, I mean, of course, there are many reasons for which there could be a total shift. You know, when you're India and you're anxious to join the big table, you know, that expression from Bo of the Fifth Column that we keep on using, the international poker table where everyone's cheating. Well, when mm -hmm. you want to play at the main table, not at the junior tables, um, there are certain things you're not allowed to do anymore. And uh, to get access to that main table, you kind of have to have the United States on your side. And the United States is less than impressed. So, you know, there could be more damage to India's aspirations from pissing off the United States than there can be from Canada because, you know, there's only so much we can do compared to a country of India's size, but not the same for the United States. So when Canada saying something and then the United States you know, comes back behind the shoulder and goes, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then Australia, New Zealand, and the UK are there too. Because remember when people were saying, where's the proof? Where's the evidence? The five eyes, as it was kind of described, it's sort of like this library of intelligence that, all nations load stuff up into, upload stuff to, that uh, they're okay with everybody else seeing. And it seems that there was a lot of stuff in there because the United States investigation into those plots was further ahead than the Canadian one. And that was going on while Canada did that, was making all those approaches to India diplomatically, the right way, quietly, so that they could say face. And then they wouldn't. And then they put some articles saying that there was tons of cocaine on the Prime Minister's plane. That probably wasn't a smart move. Well, I mean, probably the, the accusation move. alone is ridiculous because think about it. They've never set foot on the plane. <laughs> well, that's the thing, number one. But number two, right? If you are a state sponsor of this type of activity and you have done it in Canada and the United States at similar time periods. And Canada tells you, um, we know what are the odds that the U S also knows, mm -hmm. you know, I think, um, the lack of experience at the global stage going, oh, well, it's just Canada. We could keep doing it. And it's like, mm, has it ever occurred to you that if Canada knows, maybe the United States knows, because if you're doing this and you know that you're doing this, but you're denying that you're doing that, you know, it's like, if these were rogue agents and India didn't really know, I could understand something, but if these are not a rogue agents, 
was like, and again, I, as I keep on saying, when it's you yourself in the mirror, you know what you've done. Mm-hmm. Taking the calculation that, oh, we can bash Canada because the United States hasn't said anything yet. So, gee, the United States, we must have done this so well that there's no way the United, that the United States is not aware yet. <laughs> so let's bash Canada. The person who sat there with the calculator going, <laughs> Maybe didn't enter, press the right buttons there <laughs> when they were doing the B so counting. It seem. Huh? So it would seem. Right. Um, now, what's interesting uh, in this is that not only has uh, Canada noticed a tonal shift, but the world now has seen a tonal shift because um, Prime Minister Narendra Modi gave an interview to the Financial Times, the London Financial Times, mm-hmm. where he has spoken publicly, responded publicly to U.S. charges of an assassination plot. Not Canada's, but the United States. And of course, well, they have more and they have let more publicly be known. Um, now, uh, it's also been reported in the Hindustan Times and in the Hindustan Times, it says, Prime Minister Narendra Modi has responded to U.S. charges of an assassination plot. Prime Minister has, for the first time, responded to allegations of uh, a plot in the United States, saying he will, quote, look into any evidence, but, quote, few incidents would not derail U.S.-India ties. I think he's... Dating wishful thinking as fact there because these types of incidents could in fact very much derail U.S.-India ties, which is the reason for which he's looking into it. Mm-hmm. Because if he wasn't worried about the ties, as was the case with Canada, he would tell him to F off and then use the press to try and tear down the leader. That's not happening in the case of the United States. Tell me you are worried about your ties being derailed without telling me you are worried about your ties being derailed. (laughs) In an interview with the Financial Times, Prime Minister Modi said, quote, if someone gives us any information, we would definitely look into it. If a citizen of ours has done anything good or bad, we are ready to look into it. Our commitment is to the rule of law. Wow, that is a big change. That's more than a tonal shift. That's like a tonal electric slide. (laughs) <laughs> that's a seismic shift i'd say not a total shift that's yeah but the prime minister again cautiously right not so not overselling it but when you're mm-hmm. listening to it this is big this is oh, big yes. yes expressing deep concern over the activities of certain extremist groups based overseas modi told the financial daily Quote, these elements under the guise of freedom of expression have engaged in intimidation and incited violence. I will repeat that. These elements under the guise of freedom of expression have engaged in intimidation and incited violence. He's stating it as a fact. It's a mere culpa. (laughs) Well, he's not saying we did it. No, but. Or we had something to do with it. But. He's admitting it happened. Yeah, he's not denying it. Yeah. Modi states, quote, there is strong bipartisanship support for the strengthening of this relationship, which is a clear indicator of a mature and stable partnership. 
Security and counterterrorism cooperation has been a key component of our partnership. I don't think it is appropriate to link a few incidents with diplomatic relations between the two countries. Oh, it is very appropriate. We need to accept the fact that we are living in the era of multilateralism. The world is interconnected as well as interdependent. This reality compels us to recognize that absolute agreement on all matters cannot be a prerequisite for collaboration. Mm-hmm. These are all quotes from Modi. Well, he knows his hand is in the cookie jar and they see it there. So do you think he's just trying to save some face now or? Mm-hmm. Well, especially he's got the elections coming up, right? Rescue some trade agreements, perhaps? Oh, yes. The big free trade agreement between the United States and India and one between Canada and India also mm-hmm. is at play here. So, and the prime minister was on the record saying that he was not going to take any other steps to advance that trade agreement until such time as. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it makes one wonder, though. It's like, you know, this Modi is... <sighs> A borderline dictator. I can't say that he's flat out a dictator, but a borderline one. And he's a bit of an autocrat. He's part of the IDU. He likes Harper. He is, you know, he's... <laughs> but in the end, what motivates all of these people? Money, all of these money, IDU money. Must got it. Money. We're going to do things our way. Oh, wait, we're losing a trade agreement? Oh, shit. Um... Yeah, we did some bad stuff. We're really terribly sorry about that. Can we can we sign trade agreement now, please? Mm-hmm. Now, particularly since you know India has a place in the world that it's worked very hard to get to, with regard, for example, to call centers mm-hmm. and that type of stuff. Um, but they aspire to more. They want to be integrated into the global production line, right? Well, they have the people. They just have to build the factories. They need a they need a Shenzhen, right? They need yep. a city. Uh, and and uh, oh, I'm blanking. There is a there, oh boy, oh boy. There's a city in in southern India. It uh, it's where all the tech is, and I'm I'm completely blanked out right now. But uh, um, there's a ton of tech there, and and they could mobilize and do this. It's where a lot of the development takes place. Uh, I'm losing my mind here. Bangalore. Thank you. You're welcome. I wanted to say Bhopal, but I knew that was incorrect, and Bhopal is not in the south. Bangalore. It's it's the tech center of India, and they could it could become the next Shenzhen, but they need, you know, investment from uh, multinational conglomerates and and countries and trade agreements to go forward. It could be the next Shenzhen. They have the people, they have the population, they just literally need to build the factories and get the people trained uh, up to the Chinese standard. Now, when I say this, because everything these days is made in China, but there was a time when anything made in China, you didn't want it because the quality just wasn't there. That's not, I'm not making it up. It's mm-hmm. a fact. Mm-hmm. 2008, when BlackBerry came out with the bold, which was the touch screen that clicked, 60% of them were returned. They were made in Shenzhen. Well, since that time, all the best stuff comes from there now, Korea or China. And a lot of it is just, even even Korea, they, they send most of the manufacturing to China just because they don't have the manpower, for want of a better term. They don't have the bodies. Mm-hmm. They don't have the factories. They don't have the, the building facilities to build. Mm-hmm. So everything goes to Shenzhen for the most part. 
Foxconn is the big company that builds the iPhone, it builds for Samsung, it builds for a number of companies. The quality is vastly superior to what it was 15 years ago. It's night and day. So you got to figure if India can get on and start getting small manufacturing uh, companies, contracts, contracts is the word I was looking for, and slowly build from there, they could become and could very much overtake China because they already have a larger population base. They just don't have the infrastructure in place. So these trade agreements are unbelievably important to India. So he'll throw his, his politics aside, his, his, his dictatorial belief system, his IDU belief system aside, if money is on the table and money looks like it's going to be pulled off the table. Mm-hmm. Watch how quickly the, the, their belief system gets tossed out the window when it comes to money? Mm-hmm. Well, in this book that I keep referring to often called The World is Flat by Thomas Friedman, he's talking about, you know, once you kind of secure your spot in the global supply chain, the odds of war and civil war in your country go down a lot because it takes so long to get there. And if the rest of the world starts to feel that you're not dependable, mm-hmm. starts to move the production away, Exactly. It's really hard to get it back. It's darn near impossible. Uh, truth be told, it's darn near impossible. Yeah. So it's like, if you want to sit at the big table, do you want to come sit with us? Mm-hmm. Ah, ah, ah. Well, you know, you look back uh, growing up in the 70s and 80s, um, and, and it took me a long time to get my head around that because... Everything I knew, the best electronics were manufactured in Canada or the United States. And then mm-hmm. it switched and it became Japan. Japan made the best quality because they had the highest quality. They had the highest quality control. And then it got too expensive to manufacture and purchase in Japan. And a lot of stuff got moved to Taiwan. And it, again, came in low quality and slowly ramped up. And then it moved on to uh, Korea. And they started with low quality. If you look at, so LG, we're all familiar with LG. Right, right. And Samsung. Mm-hmm. 30 years ago, LG and Samsung, LG, by the way, is Lucky Gold Star. They sold a product in North America called Gold Star. Right. It was garbage. It literally was. It was Uh the cheapest electronics. Samsung and LG, they did the same thing. They took uh, something like $50 million worth of equipment, piled it into a big pile, and torched it. And the owners of of Samsung, I know specifically Samsung, said, we're going to redo everything. And they did. They reinvented the company and created better manufacturing and quality control techniques. Lucky Gold Star, which became LG, did the same thing. Now, you look at how these factories are developing. Like I said, they'll come in cheap, as Hugh said in the chat. India will come in cheap to get the product. But if they're having issues about resolving their trade agreements by, you know, assassinating Canadian and American citizens on Canadian and American soil, that trade agreement will be torn up pretty darn quickly and you will not get the business that you're expecting to get. And people will boycott. They will. Mm -hmm. It's been done before. It'll happen again. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was, you know, I was at the LCBO yesterday uh, buying some wine for Christmas presents and, you know, passed right by the Argentinian wine section. And I thought, hmm, wonder when that push is going to start, when people are going to start people to start asking people to start boycotting Argentinian wine. Well, we'll just, you know, if you get enough people writing to the LCBO and saying, could you please not purchase that anymore? Mm-hmm. It'll happen. At to some point. Degree, I at don't some know. point, yeah, at some point he's going to 
try and go off on another country of some type. And, and that will happen, right? Well, remember, the LCBO is the largest purchaser of wine and spirits on Earth. It's the largest single that. entity on Earth. Yes. Well, you got to remember, in the United States, most of these stores are independent. Mm -hmm. The province of Alberta, they're independent. Manitoba has a liquor commission, but it's, you know, barely over a million people. Whereas Ontario is almost 16 million people. The LCBO is the largest purchaser of wine and spirits on Earth. Wow. Unfortunately, we don't get the discounts passed along to us, but... Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good morning to all the kids in the chat here. We're with us. Kit PNC Bio, Kit Hugh, Kit Tabby G, Kit Dan, Kit Elaine, Kit Jillian, Kit, my dogs are goth. Uh, let's see who else do we have here with us. Kit the Daily Beaver. Good morning to you. Kit Mystical. Hey, hey, hey. Kit J. Crick, Kit Linda M. Wow, everybody's here today. This is so nice. Kit Saucy, Kit James. Thank you so much. We've seen the super chat uh, donations yesterday and today. And really appreciate it. And James the day before, well. throwing us money. Thanks, brother. We really thank you. It. Yes, you're very, very kind and good to us. We appreciate that. And I owe you a call, so uh, I will be calling you. All right, um, Kit. Let's see who else do we have with us today. Uh, looking through, Kit Elaine, of course. I'm sure reminding us to smash all those buttons somewhere along the way. And uh, I'm sure there are more, but you have been very active already. Thank you so much for contributing to the show, Kit Bohan. I see here. Um, if I missed you, uh, I'm sorry, uh, but uh, good morning to you as well. Um, economic news. Inflation numbers are out. And um, this is more good news, uh, well, for Canadians, but also uh, for the Prime Minister as they're looking to change the narrative. Uh, the inflation rate held steady at 3.1% for November, matching the previous month's rate. Uh, so it didn't go up which is good. Uh, we're getting close to any numbers that will start to be showing two point something is going to be good uh, for this government. And uh, it looks like uh, maybe next year we'll be starting to see some of that, if not the numbers for December. Um, according to the Bank of Canada, mortgage interest rate costs and the high cost of rental remain the two largest contributors to the inflation rate. Uh, for mortgage costs, it's up 29.8%, and for um, rent, it's 7.4% up from a year ago, respectively, and uh, very few people have gotten wage increases to match that. Higher prices for travel tours put upward pressure on consumer costs, but slower price growth for food and energy and cell services balanced this out, so it's nice there. The price of groceries rose 4.7% from a year ago, and I think that that's the first time it's gone under 5%. Uh, since uh, this whole crisis started. Mm -hmm. uh, and if volatile food and energy prices are stripped out from the core inflation number, the consumer price index hovered at 3.5% in November, which I think is much lower than it was the previous month because I believe it was still in the 4% there. Could um, well be. Uh, yeah. It, it's, I, dropped, it's dropped, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going from memory on that one, but I mm -hmm. don't remember ever reporting a core inflation number that started with 3 um, so that is definitely new. Um, throughout Canada, um, the interest, uh, the inflation rate varies from as low as 0.4% in November on PEI to as high as 3.6% in Quebec. So there have been, uh, you know, it varies across the country. Um, but overall for the nation, it is 3.1, uh, which is a good sign here. Uh, 
Yes. Uh, well, I was going to add something to because we're we're discussing economies and rents and that and the other thing. Mm-hmm. Did you see what the mayor of Halifax said just the other day? No, I have not. I have the clip for you. Oh, please. Uh, it's two minutes and 18 seconds, and it's worth your two minutes and 18 seconds because his commentary is factual, and I, he, he put himself out there in this one. Watch this. Okay. You'll like this. I don't speak on behalf of any party. I can guarantee you that. But, uh, you know, um, I long believed that we've spent a lot of time and a lot of money in this country sustaining poverty and very little money eradicating poverty. All the programs we have seem to be meant to keep people just below where they can survive, with one exception. Canada has one of the best rates in the world of seniors' poverty. There are, there are seniors in poverty, largely single women who have not had a, a good relationship in the past. But our poverty rate among seniors is among the lowest in the world. Uh, I think it's third lowest in the OECD. And that's because we bought in a basic income for seniors years ago, the OIS and the GIS, particularly the guaranteed income uh, security measures. So the cause of poverty-related issues, homelessness, health inequality, education inequality, environmental inequality, it seems pretty evident, but it's true that the cause of that is lack of income. And so... I'm always very reluctant to tell other orders of government how to do their business. We're advising what we think, and I think it's important that this be something that's considered. I really do. I think it's time. Probably would cost us money, but uh, as Councillor Cleary said, we need to keep some of our uh, social constructs in place, but many of them would collapse into this basic income uh, system and provide people uh, in a country like ours the opportunity to have a chance to, to at least have the opportunity for a better life. A number of people I did work with, Hugh Siegel, when I was a parliamentarian. Art Eggleton was another one who was a, a strong supporter of this. Um, no less a progressive than Richard Nixon seriously looked at a basic annual income in 1969 and 70 as a way to um, improve productivity. Um, some people think it will reduce pro- productivity because you're giving people an income. You're giving people an opportunity. So I believe in it. And I, I look, I... The measures such as the child, or what's it called, the child benefit and things like that have been helpful, introducing national $10 a day uh, child care. These are all important measures. Um, but I think for me, I, I think this is an important uh, step. And, you know, without any ill words to anybody, I just commend it to the federal and provincial governments for their serious consideration. Um, it's not, it should not be a political issue. I don't believe it is. You've seen the range of people who supported it. Um, but it is an issue of equality, so I think it makes sense. Oh. oh, yes. Mike Savage, mayor of Halifax. Way to go. Yeah. It, it, you know, this, again, this, this program, UBI, is not a liberal or NDP program. It has been brought about by, I mean, like you said, Richard Nixon, 1969, 1970, a Republican, a staunch Republican, Hugh Siegel, um, Late Senator Hugh Siegel. Yep. Universal basic income. Bootstraps need boots. The reason the, that they want to bring about these programs, and this is the best part of it, and I've, I've discussed this with friends of mine who are lifelong progress, progressive conservatives, and I need to really stress that, right? Because mm-hmm. they have nothing to do with this current party. Right. The reason they agree with this program is because it saves us money. It saves money. Yes. It saves all of us money. Yes. That's what, what Laura Babcock was telling us. You know, when you, mm-hmm. the, the cost of people when they're just living in shelters, you know, goes up X number, the, the services per person. Now it's like when they're homeless, 
completely, you know, add like quintuple that, right? Or something of the sort. It's just, it's again, if you are a total selfish capitalist, this is in your interest. It's not socialism. It's not socialism. It's not. It, it actually will benefit your wallet. Mm -hmm. Now, if we could just get enough people to realize this, and it, it, the metrics prove this. That's the thing. The metrics prove it. Mm -hmm. It's a we, program that is good for everyone. We saw it with SERP, right? Mm -hmm. Again, this, the point that I made the other day, we emerged from the pandemic without a single quarter of negative growth. SERP, maybe that had something to do with that. CBA, mm -hmm. CWS. Maybe the fact that we kept people whole during a rough time had something to do with that. So if we can keep people whole during a rough time during a pandemic, and we don't have a pandemic, and people are going through a rough time, and we can keep them whole, the rough times that we go through, you know, you lose a job, you get injured, this, you can keep people whole. What are the odds that the same thing might happen on a micro basis and not a macro basis? Exactly. I think people's eyes were opened up. I said I was very, very surprised in the last election that that wasn't there. That wasn't a plank. But I, I thought um, it would have been. I, I really thought it would have been too, especially with all the talk of Build Back Better. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a plank in the next one, maybe a federal pilot or studying, but I would not be surprised at well, all. Well, this statement here from Mohan, as a capitalist, I would want the people to have more money to spend. That's the thing, though. They go, but it's, it's my tax dollars. Yeah, but if, if they don't have money to spend, please explain to me how they can possibly help you and your bottom line if there's no money to be spent. Mm -hmm. You have to ha create a situation where people are spending more money than you are spending on them. <laughs> right. To a certain extent. Now, I know that's not the case because, you know, we each have our share of roads and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of services to keep people healthy, like this avoidance of conflicts with the law, keeping people out of hospitals, right? Not multiplying interactions with law enforcement or social services. All of that, it's a good thing. <laughs> So, pardon me. <clears throat> so, yes, I am very glad that uh, uh, Mr. Grizzly showed us that because that's very important. And uh, Kit Sedeka, supermodel, I see you. <laughs> and Kit Tim, hello, <laughs> as well. Ms. Sedeka said that she was going to start watching uh, the... Uh, moose and something else show I, it went by moose very and quickly <laughs> moose and squirrel show i think <laughs> and uh kid james says that uh he has he expects scandalous benefits in return <laughs> for the that, super yeah. chat donations i can do scandalous my friend i can do scandalous <laughs> i have i have no idea by the way folks what's going on today with my feed uh I've, I've, the only thing running right now is restreaming my camera. So I don't know what is going on. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, but see, because in restream, it looks fine. I look normal, but I, I have a monitor up here so I can see what's going on. It's next to my camera. So I can look into the camera and it's off to the side and 
I see the waterfall and digitize effect. I have no idea what's happening here. So I just jumped in and out and hopefully that fixed it. Oh, yeah. Um, a little bit of news from the United States uh, that has some tongues wagging. Um, it seems that the Supreme Court of Colorado overturned a lower court's decision mm. and ruled that the orange frump, orange thrush, uh, cannot be on the ballot in the state of Colorado in 2024. I saw that. Basically shutting him down. Yes. Now, he's immediately going to appeal to the Supreme Court. But at the lower court ruling, they said, you know, that there was nothing in that constitution or nothing in that law that said that the president specifically had to, you know, not act in contravention of the constitution. It was everybody, like, from the vice president down, the way that the law was kind of written. And, uh, you know, that was sort of like their escape hatch. It seems that the higher court ruled, uh, nope, that covers him as well. Uh, because essentially then you would have a principle of no man is against, the, I'm sorry, uh, that a man is above the law. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, and think of it legally. I mean, if the courts rule that, well, everybody else has to uphold the constitution in such a way or not dishonor it or whatever the term they used, uh, except for the president, then, um, what stops Joe Biden from simply declaring that he's never going to step down? Yeah, no kidding. So maybe these now in Colorado, um, the, the the decision was close. It was a four to three decision, mm. so it wasn't like unanimous. And all of the, I believe, all the justices on the Supreme Court there have been uh, appointed by Democrats. Um, and even with that, it was still a four three decision. If right now the president was Republican with the Supreme Court that they have there, now maybe they would make that decision the other way around, that yes, he could run, and that uh, a man is above the law. But given that the president right now happens to be a Democrat, and that Supreme Court is definitely not <laughs> progressive, um, they, yeah, they might be... Uh, not as eager to create that precedent. Uh, and it seems that, uh, you know, whether or not they are, they have decided that they would give it expedited consideration as to whether or not they would actually handle the case. So the Supreme Court can basically take the case and decide they're going to hear it on the merits or decide, you know what, no, we don't need to hear this case. The lower court, uh, lower court's ruling stands. That I would assume would be the easiest avenue mm -hmm. for those justices to not bring a lot of heat and fire because you know as soon as one Supreme Court justice who is Republican yeah. nominated, particularly if it was one that was nominated by Trump, would determine that, uh, yeah, he's left off the ballot. Can you imagine the death threats? Can you imagine? And the Supreme Nine Supreme Court justices, particularly the Republican ones, seem to be a little touchy on even having ethics rules and people looking into their friends like Harlan Crow and what they donate to them on the official Adopt-A-Justice program that seems to be existing. So I'm not sure they want that type of scrutiny. Oh, definitely not. So I'm thinking that, you know, just basic human behavior, if you're looking at people that are risk averse, 
it's way less risky for those judges to say, you know what, the lower court ruling stands and they don't even hear it. So therefore the story kind of dies there because if it goes there, then all the months that that is being argued and that's being considered, there's going to be so much pressure on them. And then the decision is going to have to come and everybody's going to be waiting for it. And then there'll be a whole bunch of reaction. But mm-hmm. I said, they just say the lower court rules, they get a couple of days of it, maybe a couple of weeks right now. And then it kind of goes away. And we move on to the next thing. The interesting thing will be is if that decision stands at the Supreme court, or if the Supreme court decides that they're not going to hear it, there's about nine other states that have similar cases. Mm. Now, Colorado is pretty much a democratic state. Trump really doesn't have any chance of winning there. So even if he's left off the ballot, you know, no big whoop, he's not getting the electors from there anyway. But let's say Michigan decides to go there, which is a swing state, or Pennsylvania, or Virginia. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, that becomes a little interesting. And it, uh, some news that people may have missed, uh, in the state of Wisconsin, where there is not an official investigation yet about electors, right? 10 electors have pled guilty to the fake elector scheme. And as part of their uh, admission of guilt, they have to admit that Biden did indeed win and that their actions were taken for the purpose of denying Joe Biden a legitimate presidency. At some point, that party is going to have to admit what happened. I don't know how long they're going to drag it out, but at some point, at the federal level, the Republicans are going to have to admit that they were part of something that was there's going to be way too much evidence at some point, too many admissions of guilt on the record. You think they'll do it though? Pardon? Do you think they'll admit? At some point, if the donations start to dry up, right? It's all about the money with Republicans, right? That's why George Santos is gone. Mm. He messed with rich people's money. Yeah. And they don't, they don't care for that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the reason why the House and the Senate, the, the House and the Senate with the Republicans are not, um, the House Republicans are about to have the most unproductive session of Congress in the history of the United States. Not only because the House Democrats are opposing them, not only because they can't agree amongst themselves, but because the GOP led Senate with Mitch McConnell is not actually helping them much either. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and, you know, after the midterms, I think their lead in the house was like four or five seats, but with, you know, like Santos gone and McCarthy deciding he's going to retire and that hold that kind of stuff. Um, it's only down to one or two now, yeah. which makes it very, very hard. <laughs> and, and, and the eight that sort of got rid of McCarthy are still saying they're, they're, you know, they're talking about Mike Johnson now. And there's like, um, you need to stop playing both sides and you really need to make some decisions, get off the pot. And they're turning around and say, you know, if you decide our way, you'll have, you'll, and everything will be smooth. But if you don't decide our way, we're going to make problems for you. It's like, you have a two seat majority. You don't have the luxury of making problems for your speaker, but they, they, they can't see it. They don't want to see it. Mm. They want their way. They're still stomping their little foot. 
Well, they'll continue to do that forever, right? Right. And we're looking at going into another election 2024 with, um, remember back, I think it was like in, I think, 88 or 98, 98 when uh, Republicans put all those uh, anti-gay marriage measures on the ballot to bring out the Republicans to mm -hmm. vote. Don't really remember that, honestly. That whole no hate campaign, mm. right? Uh, people were saying, you know, we're, we're having tattoos of NOH8 all over this. But all those measures, basically, the Republicans put measures on state ballots opposing that to try and get uh, to gin out the vote. Because if you didn't like the candidate, maybe you would feel passionately enough about that issue to come and vote against it. And while you were there, vote for the Republican candidate. Well, it seems that the Democrats are taking the same strategy with regards to abortion. Interesting. There's been no state yet on which there's been an abortion ballot measure where the measure has failed. Even states like Kansas. So it seems that um, there's a concerted strategy to get those types of measures on as many ballots as possible. And maybe while people are out voting for that, they'll vote for Biden again. Well, it's that's a, a strategy. Good strategy. It's a good, good strategy. One. It's a good strategy. So it should do it with legalizing pot as well. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, how are we doing for time, Mr. Grizzly? We should wrap up. I uh, have to get into the office. I got to finish up a project I started yesterday. I solved a lot of problems. So yay, yay for solving problems. All right. Um, one little quick thing I want to mention before we go, uh, because we like Canadians who uh, make us proud. Mm -hmm. Our uh, short track speed skating team was at a stop in Seoul, South Korea, and they emerged with six medals outstanding from this one so uh william dan Jidu and stephen dubois again who we've been talking about a lot uh this year uh dan Jidu won a silver medal in the 1500 meter on saturday and on this weekend they had uh the race twice so once on the saturday i guess and one on the sunday and uh I believe he won again. Yes, he won the gold mm. on the Sunday. So silver on the Saturday, gold on the Sunday. Um, he has won five individual medals in the first four World Cup legs of the season, including two golds. Wow. So he's rocking it. Uh, Dubois had uh, another podium finish as well, winning the gold in the 1,000 meters. Uh, and uh, bronze medal was a winner was Pascal Dion, also from Team Canada. So it was a silver and bronze in the 1000 for Canada there. Dubois is finishing 2023 at the top of the World's Cup's short track speed skating rankings, all events combined at 683 points, two points ahead of uh, uh, South Korean uh, skater that uh, goes uh, by Park and Danjadu is in the top three. So basically two of the top three men's short track speed skating athletes uh, in the world at the end of 2023 are Canadian. There mm -hmm. we go. And then Felix Roussel uh, took a bronze uh, in the 1,500 meters that Dan Jadou got the silver in as well. So in the first half of the World Cup season, which included four legs, Team Canada has picked up 23 medals. Wow. Yeah. That team is rocking it and rocking it hard.
No kidding. Yeah. All right, Mr. Grizzly, we have a show. Kids and Cubs, this is the end of the Daily Beaver Morning Show for today, December 20th. We hope that you love listening to us because we loved making this for you. Of course, sharing is caring, so please tell your peeps and poops all about us because you have the mouths from which we want the good word coming out. And uh, you give us a lot of help. I see here on the chat that uh, it seems that our subscribers on the YouTube channel have gone up to uh, 524. Mm. So uh, it's growing fast. I think that might be the fastest we've accumulated 24, 25 people since we've started. That's pretty quick. It was just 500 just the other day, Mm -hmm. uh, right before interviewing uh, Laura Babcock. So uh, thank you so much, whoever is doing that. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, yes, if you would like to. I was too busy celebrating and reveling that I forgot that the next step was to thank the Ray Girl for sponsoring our pod page. <laughs> it's almost like, just like freezing. <laughs> yeah, um, that yes. from time to time. <laughs> try and avoid it, but you know, some things just are unavoidable, and that happened to be one of them. It's like the information from the brain just stopped coming to the mm-hmm. mouth <laughs> for a second. Um, if you would like to not miss an episode, please go to our pod page sponsored by the Ray Girl. That little squiggly on the screen there will take you there if you want to scan it while you're watching. Uh, and if you're listening at home, that's podpage.com slash the true North eager beaver, lowercase letters with a hyphen between each one of those words. We really, really, really appreciate that. And if you do like uh, smashing buttons, then uh, make like Kit Elaine, make like Kit Elaine and go to our true North eager beaver media incorporated YouTube channel. And uh, we have three buttons there for you to smash with like share and subscribe our three favorite words other than Mr. Grizzly free beer today. Although I think I might pass on the free beer today, considering how the <laughs> not so free beer yesterday affected me today. <laughs> I had a glass of wine with dinner last night, and I feel like when I woke up at five, it felt like I get hit by a truck. A single glass of wine with dinner. I'm clearly getting older. Yep, 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 indeed. Uh, so there you uh, click like, share, subscribe and uh, on their YouTube channel. And for free beer today... That little squiggly by Mr. Grizzly's head brings you to our coffee page. That's coffee.com, K-O hyphen F-I dot com slash eager beaver, lowercase letters, all in one word. Uh, I have three people that I have yet to thank. Uh, I have not forgotten you. Um, I think it's Eve Moisin, uh, Kit Cheryl, and... Ah, I wish I could remember all three of them off the top of my head. I'm so sorry. Mm. Uh, but I will, uh, trust me, I will give you the official thanks that you are due uh, on an upcoming episode. Because democracy is something that you do. Write your MPs, your MLAs, your senators, your media outlets. Uh, ask for those meetings, particularly, again, on the National School Food Program. Mm. If we're not feeding kids, I don't know what we're doing on homelessness. If we're not housing people. I don't know what we're what doing. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing? Like, come on. It's our money. Spend it on us. Feed us. House us. Right. It's, it, it, this should not be hard. Okay. So uh, make them make the point. Let them know that you care about these issues and that uh, you want more money directed there, that you want a UBI. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Again, I say, let's vote for something other than just our own wallets here. And uh, get your shots, your XPB shots. Let's keep the hospitals unclogged. Um, I keep on seeing the numbers. Oh, boy. Uh, you do not want to be in the hospitals over okay. the holiday period. So uh, make sure that uh, in your gatherings that, uh, uh, you know, you make sure that uh, you take care of your health as well. Yeah. And of course, if you have a little bit of money, donate to the Red Cross because a lot of Canadians have had a pretty hard summer. From the Beaver Lodge, this is your eager beaver saying, it could be a tough world out there, so please be kind to and gentle with yourself. Mr. Grizzly, do you have some words of wisdom for us today? Uh, I'm kind of drawn a blank, honestly. I, I'm bombarded with, my feet is just covered with stuff right now that I'm trying to sort through and, and, and parse through in my head. And I guess the one thing I could say uh, that we say, you know, democracy is something you do. Uh, we tried to warn you, Alberta. We really did. And now you're reaping the benefits of voting in a UCP government. Daniel Smith is destroying your health care in front of your eyes, and she doesn't care about you. So don't let this happen in other provinces in Canada. Be an aware and informed voter. Look at their platform. And in her case, she said she wasn't going to do the, C the, the APP and not touch the CPP, which she's doing anyway. So, I mean, when we tell you somebody is a liar and they're lying to your face and they're treating you like they're stupid, please listen to us. We're not telling you who to vote for, but we're telling you one person you shouldn't vote for. And Alberta, you're reaping what you sowed, and I feel for you, man, because it's so many innocents are going to be harmed by this. And that's the part I hate the most. So many people are going to get harmed by her ridiculous policies that are being dictated to her by wealthy people who don't give a damn about a single one of us. And even those who have voted for her thinking that they did want her. She's not loyal to you either. She's going to hurt you as no. well. Yes. Don't vote for people who hurt people. Don't. Mr. Grizzly, roll the credits, and I have an interesting Easter egg when we get back. Good morning. This is the Eager Beaver Show. You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver media podcast. The True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum. And the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Big hello to Jazzy, Mateo, and Rain, by the way. Big hugs to all three of you. Um, Mr. Grizzly, I'm not sure if you saw this one, but this one crossed my Twitter feed. And um, I loved it because I thought it was perfect. Um, imagine 
if liberals complained about stuff in the same way conservatives do? Now, it's a little clip. Uh, this person clearly is progressive, but is pretending that he's a it's Republican. A yes. Okay. All right. So you need to know that to get the joke. All right. Here we go. Oh, hi. I'm a concerned parent in North Texas, and I don't know if y'all have noticed, but lately these gas prices are getting ridiculous. I mean, every time I go to the pump lately, I just stare at that total like a calf looking at a new gate. Two twenty-nine. This is just unacceptable. How long is the average Republican voter supposed to continue to pretend to be outraged about gas prices when they keep climbing down like this. Look, it was pretty easy for me to ignore when the U.S. hit record levels of oil production a few months ago. I mean, I just yelled, EVs are bad for the environment every time some woke fact monger objectively reported it. But this week, when the U.S. broke the annual oil production record, gas prices are consistently dropping in my earthly God who does not look like this Garfield stuffy from Walmart ate three plates of lasagna and then put on a suit, swore up and down. Gasoline prices are now five, six, seven dollars and even eight dollars a gallon. Almost broke. But then I figured it out. It was so obvious I was honestly a little embarrassed. An emotion I've never felt before, except once when I got caught reading a book. It was just the author bio for Ted Cruz's book where he talks about being a podcast host who tweets about being a senator, but still embarrassing. Anyway, I figured it out. I've been lied to. There's only so much misinformation that a free-thinking, independent-minded conservative like myself can take from the devilish Democrats who are colluding with gas stations to put fake prices up on the sides just to make Republicans look like liars. This goes even deeper than that. They also put the fake prices from here onto your credit card bill to further cover up and hide their lies. All this blatant deceit by the woke oil and gas companies in collusion with the woke credit card companies and the woke laws of supply and demand. Look at this sticker I put up a while ago when prices were coming up and I was told that I believe that Joe Brandon controlled gas prices immediately upon taking office. Joe Brandon. I don't want folks to get the wrong idea so I have to retrace my steps and drive all over North Texas to take these things down. Luckily gas is kind of cheap now so it shouldn't be that expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was good. That was good. That, was good. That, was a good that, one. One, that one netted the never given before 100 beaver points. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got to repost that one. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can put one. it in post, post it in the chat for the kids there. All right, kids. Have a wonderful day. Let me just hang on. I got to copy the link and I'll post it in the chat for anybody who wants to, to have a look at it on the Twitter for themselves. Alrighty, I'll uh, see you. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. 
come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.